0: Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast for water treaters, by water treaters, where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hi, everybody. Trace Blackmore here and Scaling Up Nation. It was so awesome seeing so many of you at the recent AWT Convention and Expo. Folks, I got to tell you, when I started this podcast just a little over a year and a half ago, I had no idea that the folks out there in the Scaling Up Nation were going to love the podcast so much. I didn't even know there was going to be a Scaling Up Nation. But when you come up to me and let me know how you've tried something new, how you went after something that you wouldn't have done if you had not gotten inspired because of listening to Scaling Up. Folks, I got to tell you, that's awesome. But I also want to tell you, that was all You Maybe I gave you that little bit of nudge to put you in that direction, but you did the legwork. So, I want to thank you for letting me know that the Scaling Up podcast has inspired you and I want to keep inspiring you to keep being great. So, do those things that you know that you need to be doing to be successful and we're actually going to continue that theme on today's show. Of course, we're also coming off of celebrating Industrial Water Week. How cool was that that us water treatment folk had our own holiday? James McDonald, thank you so much for that. We now have a holiday, and I hope you use that to set some goals for yourself, to reach out to your fellow water treaters, and remind yourself that only an industry that is just incredibly awesome is worthy of having its own holiday. And it's not just one day, it's five days. So folks, if you're gonna be in this industry, make sure that you are making this industry better. And I know a lot of you came up to me and told me at the AWT that you started using the service Audible because I recommended it. And folks, it's no secret. I like to read and I don't have time to read when you read there's only one thing you can do and that's of course hold that book and read it and i like to do that as often as i can but let's face it i just simply don't have a lot of time to close everything out that's going on and pick up a book and read it but you know just like me just like you we are in the water treatment industry and we have a lot of windshield time and i think that's why this show is so successful because we can get information while we're driving. Well, Audible is the exact same way, and it's how I read 35 books a year by using Audible. So if you wanna use Audible too, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash Audible, you'll get a free month, a free book, and you can try that service for yourself. Now that's an affiliate link of mine, and what that means is that Audible will pay me a commission if you go to that, but it does not cost you a dime extra. So just wanted to let you know that, being totally transparent with the Scaling Up Nation, And maybe what I was doing there was selling. Maybe I'm selling the fact that you need to read more. Maybe I'm selling the fact that I have a solution to get you to read more. Well, today's show is about selling. And it doesn't matter if you consider yourself a salesperson or not. If you are in this industry, if you are in any industry, if you ever communicate with another human being, you are selling. And I know we have a lot of different ways to look at selling and a lot of them aren't very flattering. So we're going to talk about that today and we're going to talk about what some people do to make themselves a little bit more successful at sales or what I like to say, at communicating than others. So we're going to be joined today by a great sales coach. His name is Dan Jordan, and I hope you enjoy my interview with Dan Jordan. My lab partner today is Dan Jordan, and Dan calls himself the Sales Energizer. Dan, I'm so happy to have you on Scaling Up. How are you today? You know, I'm living the dream, baby. How about you? Absolutely. Well, you know, you have a a way of just telling people the truth when it comes to what they should be doing when it comes to just getting out there and making sales. So I'm hoping we talk a little bit about that today and and just find out a little bit more of how to become more well-rounded salespeople. Well, I'll be happy to help. That's what I do best. Well, before we get started, could you tell the audience a little about yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you introduced me as the sales energizer. I let me tell you this story that'll explain the whole thing. I just came back from uh, India. I had a little a speaking gig there with a an IT company that was looking. Basically, they wanted an American face in at their company to to be their sales manager or what have you for this convention. Uh, but I had to say a few words, and I spoke to the crowd, and I realized very early on that nobody really understood me. I mean, I I speak fairly clearly but I'm New Jersey fast talking type of uh, conversation which is not what they're taught in school. And so I was a little apprehensive when I was going out there to speak, but I did and I said a few words and it was like I'm telling you Trace, it was like I was Elvis. I they were standing there with their mouths wide open and, and like sheepishly walking up to me afterwards, you know, asking if they take a selfie with me and it, it was crazy how well this went off. And I asked one young lady, you know, what she heard. She could speak English. I said, "What did you hear that was so special?" What she said to me is the answer to your question in a long-winded way. She said, "I heard nothing, but I felt your energy." And that's, if you want, to, in a nutshell, what you want to do to become a better salesperson. You need to transfer your energy to your prospect because they crave it. They need it. They desire it. They're attracted to it. And so I call myself the sales energizer because that's what I've always been able to do. And uh, I travel around and I give presentations and I blow the roof off, not only of the convention, but I, I help the salespeople in the room blow the roof off their sales. How's that?
0: I think that's great. And you've been doing this for a long time. You're a master at this. How does somebody that's eh, mediocre at sales begin to do, even begin to do what you do? Uh, well, it, it, great question.
1: And the answer is, you need to want to first. You need to, I mean, that's, a lot of people are turned off by even being called a salesperson. Uh, they're uh, they're embarrassed by my mother's that way. My, my, my till this day, if you if you had my mother in a room right now with you, and you say, "Hey, how's Danny doing?" uh She would say, "You know, he's fine, doing well. He's in between jobs, but he'll." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, she will not tell her friends that I'm in sales because her impression of a salesperson is uh, Herb Tarlick from uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. You know that guy. It's just, you know, that pushy car salesman kind of embarrassing mentality. And I think in the minds of a lot of people, they have that same type of thing. That's why people, you know, financial consultants don't call themselves salespeople. They call themselves financial consultants, you know, insurance agents, insurance salespeople don't call themselves that they call themselves, you know, brokers or consultants or what have you, because there's a little shame involved in there. Now, So the way to start the first step is to toss that out of your head and understand that nothing good in the world has ever happened without a salesperson selling it. Uh, you know, even Thomas Edison. Nobody was going to take a light bulb. They thought it was crazy. Color TV. I remember my parents telling, me, don't sit too close. It's going to hurt you. You know, color TV is bad for your eyes. Color TV is bad. Everything has to be sold. You make people's lives better by presenting a product that you have. What, what you guys, the water treatment and, and things that you're selling, you're literally making lives better. You're, you're saving lives, you're helping people you're helping companies earn more money which in turn is going to make their lives better you're doing all that so you need to, to understand that you're in the most noble profession out there a good person can do a lot more good being successful than being unsuccessful
0: i think that's great advice you know if you don't believe in yourself how are you going to get your prospects and customers to believe in you
1: yeah well and i tell i tell this to people and i and i I, you know, I tell it to my children. I tell it to everybody. I go, you want to be a better salesperson? Be a better person, you know, <laughs> and you'll be a better sales. You want to be a better accountant? Be a better person. You know, act like the person that you'd like to become. And more than likely, uh, you'll see that person in the mirror very soon. And the person you'd like to become is not uh, squeamish and not uh, uh, embarrassed of their profession, the person that you'd like to become is not someone that sits in a corner and hides and you know, waits for people to come to them. The person you'd like to become is a difference maker, someone who goes out there and uh, does good in the world by moving more of their product than the next guy.
0: Well, I think you're laying down a great foundation. Let's move on a little bit more. So how does somebody assess themselves to see how good they are at actually doing what you just advised?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, well, the, you know, one of one of the beautiful things about uh, the sales business is that uh, you can keep count. I mean, there's numbers involved. I'm not saying that money's the only thing that's important, uh, but it's one of the few things you can count. Years ago, I went on a a hitchhiking trip. It was a, a terrific hitchhiking trip, and I took no money. I just got jobs along the way, and I was gone ultimately for for eight months, and. uh I learned more in that trip uh, about about life and about sales and I use the same skills that I used to, to get rides then I use the same skills to make sales today and I, I learned very quickly that there's a very fine line between a hitchhiker one who gets rides and a smelly bum on the side of the road with their thumb hanging out you know you can't very well call yourself a hitchhiker if you're not getting picked up and you can't very well call yourself a salesperson if you're not making sales well that's an interesting analogy that that's your job that's your job so
0: you know how do you assess yourself you take a look at your numbers that's what you do so what are some of the metrics that you look at on a regular basis oh that's a great
1: that's a great question. and and i have a, a coaching program uh that i do for salespeople and for companies and I, I i build sales programs for for companies but my individual one-on-one coaching is probably the most effective thing for people because you know individually you could work on, on the activities that it takes to get the results that you want. And so what we do, and what I tell my my team and, and the people that I'm coaching, is that it you know the results or the goals that you're looking for. And I don't really call them goals; I call them expectations. But I'll talk about that later. But that whole that that pot at the end. You're going to celebrate that no matter what. I mean, that's just exciting. When you make your goal, everybody celebrates and does, and does stuff like that. But to get there, what we practice is we celebrate the activities and we wait for the results to happen. So every day we're taking the measurements of those activities that are gonna get those results. So what are those activities? Well, how many people did you talk to today? Uh, how many times did you did you pitch your product today? How many no's did you get today? How many cold calls did you get today? How many incoming leads did you uh, produce today? How many blogs did you put out today? How many tweets did you put out today? How many engagements in social media did, did you do today? How many speeches did you give today or prepare for? How many appointments did you set today? So the, the daily activities, is what we measure and celebrate. So, I mean, if your goal is to say, hey, I'm gonna talk to you know, 20 people today, then ba- and you got no sales from it, that's a good day. You can go to bed that night saying, I won. That's a winning day. Uh, because we know, uh, with the certain actions, we know what the results are gonna be. So we just work on those daily
0: actions. That makes sense? I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, eventually, at some point, somebody's going to be wanting to see some sort of revenue coming in. So, how do you know when the activities that you're doing, even though you're doing them, you're not doing them in the best way, producing the results that you want to get?
1: Well, you know the the simple the simple fact, and I and I hate I hate to bring you know I, I'm answering you so matter of factly, like like my answers are the only ones that are out there, but. In this world that we're in, I mean, it's it, you, we're in the live fire. I mean, it happens every day. So a lot of people say, you know, uh, here's something, which is a good example. I, I've just through, through years and years of study of this, I realized certain things about salespeople. Most salespeople really are afraid of their competition. They'd rather, be in a, they'd rather be in a field that has no competition. They think then it's going to be much easier for them and every, your customer is just going to eat your product, so, and, and which is kind of true. Well, there's a way to do that. There's a way to ensure that you have no competition, and that is you work when your competition is not. You don't do what your competition you – know, your competition is every day from 9 to 5 is doing the same thing. Don't do that. You do work when they're not working. So here's when salespeople aren't working in general. They don't work on Mondays. They don't work on Fridays for their own reasons. And they don't work when it rains. I don't know why, but they don't work. But if it rains on a Monday, baby, I'm after it. I mean, I know for a fact I'm the only salesperson in America who's making prospecting calls that day. I know for a fact nobody's there. So you want to get that. So I I know – That I'm going to get better results on those days just because from the history of life, I've made hundreds of thousands, maybe a million calls on strangers in my life. You know, you're not doing anything new here. This whole thing has been happening since Jesus, you know, for crying out loud. This is everybody knows it's not like you're inventing. The world isn't new because you just got into the sales business. It's the same thing. I'm telling you, if you talk to 20 people today, you're going to get a lead and a customer. You'll just do it. It'll just happen. You'll automatically start adapting and adjusting. Now, uh, we create uh, unbelievable scripts for people. We create incredible uh, programs for people uh, so you can avoid saying the wrong words and things like that. But that's secondary. Even if if you're an insurance salesperson and you walked up to 100 people a day and said, you don't want insurance, do you? Just, I mean, the worst possible thing you could say, you don't want insurance, do you? you'd probably sell some insurance.
0: Great advice.
1: And that's why it's so important to keep track because a lot of times, you know, you spend, the average salesperson will spend 15 minutes uh, worrying about calling somebody, uh, calling that person, getting their voicemail, uh, leaving a terrible message on that voicemail. And so, you know, in, in a
0: half hour, they're exhausted, but they've only made one phone call. That's an excellent point. And for the record, you're saying to the Scaling Up audience that you don't want this water treatment program, do you, is not a good sales pitch. (laughs) But you know what? If you said it to 100 people, it would work. All right. It would. It would. Now, there's a better way to do it. There's a better way to do it, and I can help you out. Well, how about we talk about the anatomy of the sales process? So I get up this morning. I get dressed. I comb my hair. I'm ready to go out and make some cold calls. What should I do? Yeah, well,
1: my gosh. You know, it was as
0: if I wrote down these
1: questions. These are just like layups. You're good at this. (laughs) I'm telling you. This isn't your
0: first uh, rodeo, is it? I've interviewed a few, but none as good as you, Mr. Dan. Oh, (laughs) you see? Well, you know, so uh, that's the first thing. When you first
1: meet somebody, you want to give a compliment. Here, here, I'm going to give you a little secret, and then I'm going to answer your question. When you're first approaching somebody understand this. There's three things that your prospect has, but more importantly, they have and they want to give it to you. So they have something that they want. It's going to make them feel good to give you one of these three things. So if you ask for them, you're in a a much better position to start a conversation about water treatment. So here they are. The first thing that people love to give you that they have is help. I wonder if you could help me. If you go to Home Depot right now and you say, uh, you know, where are the wrenches? They'll say aisle seven. If you say, hey, I wonder if you can help me. Where are the wrenches? They will grab you by the wrist and pull you over to the wrenches and show you where they are. People have a need, a need to help. Makes them feel worthwhile. You're giving them a gift by letting them help you. That's the first thing. The second thing is an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion, and they love to give. I wonder what your opinion is. What do you do about your – I don't know your water treatment things, but I would, it's something in relation to that. I wonder if you can ask your opinion. Are you happy with the blah, blah, blah about the water here? Always ask someone an opinion and ask that. Once they give you an opinion, you're basically in a backhanded way. You're telling them that they're smart. You never ask the opinion of somebody who's a moron. And then the final one that they had – and you guys ought to be writing this down because this is magic. You ask for somebody's advice. Gosh. hey, nothing. Better. Sometimes I use, I, I'll use that, but you want to get past the person who answers the phone, you call them the gatekeeper. I call them the sales assistant. They'll, they'll move you to the right person. But you ask the, that person who answers the phone, the first person that you call, hey, I wonder if they're going to ask your advice. What would a guy like me, we do water treatment uh, services, who would I need to speak with that would be interested in this type of thing? and let them give you their advice.
0: It's magic. Okay, that's
1: a little sidebar that I went off, but why, no, what was your question again?
0: <laughs> to be honest, I can't remember what it was. I was, I was so mesmerized that's, that's, by the, the magic that you were laying down. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just inside, that's as good as it gets. Well, let me ask you this. I call the receptionist the gatekeeper.
1: That gatekeeper word Needs to be thrown on the trash heap. That's, th- th- there are two things that uh, make my blood boil. One is that stupid book by uh, Arthur Miller, The Death of a Salesman. Gosh, <laughs> I mean, it's the worst. You, you can't ask. It's, it's changed the mentality. That's why my mother can't stand a salesperson, because of that stupid play. It's ruined an entire generation of people. Okay that and the second one is the gatekeeper never use that word i mean that person is your is your key the, to the kingdom that person is a gold mine if you treat that person with respect treat them like they're the boss treat that person like they're the decision decision makers you're giving them a compliment i mean they're getting beaten up they have people calling them trying to get around them all day trying sneaky things and they and They it's a terrible life existence. And then you come along saying, hey, I wonder if I can ask your advice. You probably know everything about that. You've been working there a while. Who would I need to speak with about that? And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I'm going to help you. Are you kidding me? And they they start working. And then they say, "I, I can't tell you how many people I've become friends with who have actually called me and said, and now's the time. I'll hook you up with them right now. You know, they become your advocate. They become your helper. They become a, a resource for you. And you call them a gatekeeper, like they're there with, you know, hold, like an armed guard trying to keep people out. Ugh. okay. I'm sorry. I've got off my, I'm off my high horse now.
0: I think it's a, I think it's a great new paradigm that we all need to have. So let's get back to the anatomy of a sales call. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, the anatomy
1: of a sales call starts the day before. Or, or the week before what have you but if you wake up in the morning and say what am I going to do today you know, that's the death of a salesman <laughs> you know that's a problem you know your day needs to be you need to be scheduled for instance me I'll give you I'll give you mine on Mondays and Tuesdays I do coaching calls that's what I do Mondays and Tuesdays I work with my clients and I do coaching calls there's no question I can wake up on Monday morning I know what I'm doing I have you know I have people scheduled throughout the day Wednesday Thursday I'm cold calling I'm prospecting to try to I, I, I'm prospecting for uh, for meetings I'm prospecting for uh, workshops that I'm putting together I, I'm doing uh, 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 prospecting to get people to come to my webinars I'm doing all sorts of things there that's you know Wednesday and Thursday and Friday is a kind of a a, a wash a kind of a catch-up day but I'm planning for the next week and doing all sorts of stuff and and all in the process, you know, following up with people. But I know what I'm doing every day. And then the day is broken down even more specifically with, you know, the time I wake up and walk the dog and exercise and all this stuff. But if I can give you one tip that's really helped a lot of my people as far as scheduling their days, and it's really been a, uh, a, you know, a terrific thing, uh, is if you have you ever had this situation where you, you wake up before your alarm clock, and you're laying there in bed, and you're, thinking about all the stuff you have to do today absolutely and you're putting it all in order and all that stuff and it's it's just messing with your brain and then you forget and so you go back and do the list again in your head and you're like well I I used to do that and then I would write it down I used to do that but it drove me nuts because I didn't have a restful sleep now I do this I wake up in the morning and if I start thinking about what I'm going to do I stop I say oh I'll think about it while I'm exercising and I get up and I go outside and I walk, walk, run, whatever I do. But while I'm moving, I can, it's much easier for me to put my thoughts together of what I'm going to do today and get it all rolling. So my suggestion is exercise first. It's one of those things you know your mother tells you to do, everybody knows you to do, and you just, you just don't do it. Wake up in the morning and go for a walk. And while you're on your walk, plan your day on your walk. If you just do that – You'll add 10 years to your life and, and two hours to your day. Great advice. Because if you, Great get, advice. if you get into work, if you get into work and say, what am I going to do today? Someone's going to walk in and hijack your entire day. You have to have a plan.
0: Great advice. Yeah, it's all great advice. That's what I do. It's great. Absolutely. It's coming out of you, right? It has That's to be it. great. This is what you you need to do
1: uh, to tell everybody follow my I have several websites. The sales energizer is one of the speaking one, but if you go to coldcallguy.com, coldcallguy.com, and uh, there's a little blue box there, fill that out, get on my newsletter. And we get videos every week and, and things like that. And, then, and when we're done here, I'll have a special thing for your, for your listeners as well.
0: Excellent. Well, you are a sales coach. What do you do for your clients? How do you get them to become better? You mentioned a couple of things, but for somebody that's never become part of that process, what can they expect?
1: There are certain traits of successful people, and there are certain people that are coachable and certain people that aren't. And a lot of times I'll ask, you know, where are you right now in terms of your sales, in terms of your life, in terms of all this stuff? Where do you want to go? And and then they'll give me an answer of, of their goals that they want to get to and all that stuff. And then I ask this question. I say, what's stopping you? Because most people know. I go, what's stopping you from getting to where you want to go? And I'll tell you what I'm listening for. I'm listening for the people who say, I'm not planning my day, or I'm not waking up early enough, or I'm not uh, motivated, or I'm not this or that. As long as they say I'm not, then I know I have something I can work with. If they say, "Well, traffic is like this," uh, my uh, I've, I've been sick, I have uh, my my wife's not working, or my husband's not working. I'm doing. This. If they're blaming something else, they're just not ready to be a millionaire salesperson. They're just not ready. And I'll tell you why the most important thing uh, that successful salespeople and I'm talking about I'm coaching million dollar salespeople, people that earn a million, a hundred thousand dollars a month in commission. I mean, people that earn big money, the way they got there is by taking full responsibility of of the good that's happened in their life and the not good. And then they ask this question. They ask, how do I? How do I? Not, you know, why are they always saying no? Why is the gatekeeper always uh, uh, not letting me through? Why am I not doing this or that? They say, how do I? How do I get more customers? How do I get through the gatekeeper? How do I figure out what to say that gets them interested? How do I wake up earlier? How do I keep myself more accountable? How do I? How do I? How do I? Because I, the, the really successful or the the motivated salesperson, the one that I could really help is the one that's taking that responsibility and saying, and and they will come up with the answers. And then what the coach does, you know, this guy like me does is put somebody on basically accountability program that they have to live up to their own expectations. They have to raise their expectations. I, I'll come back to that. I remember when I was a little boy, I had a friend, Joel Haspel, and he was the rich kid on the block. His dad had a uh, – Razor Mills was the name of the company. It was a big fabric store. It was great, and we used to take us. So – we'd jump around on all the rolls. It was very – it was a big place. They were loaded. And uh, Joel said to me once, he says, you know, I when I grow up, I expect to be rich like my dad, too, you know, because I'm brought up in this and I know how to do it. And I, I expect to be rich. And he is. And he said to me, and you're probably going to be less than me because, you know, your parents are and you don't have this and you just you don't expect that of yourself. And I, I remembered that from the time I was eight years old. People don't achieve, very rarely achieve their goals. It's some sort of, you know, ethereal thing. It hangs out there in the distance and you're like, oh, maybe one day I'll get that. But people always, always reach their expectations. And so if I can take somebody so that they could start e- expecting the, to do those actions every day, they expect to do 20 calls a day. They expect to ask for the order. They expect to try new things. They expect to go to networking meetings. They expect it of themselves. Once they raise their expectations of themselves, then all the, the, with me keeping them accountable to all that through the various mechanisms that we use, it's a guarantee.
0: It's a guaranteed win. How's that for a proclamation? I think that's a great one. I'm trying to think of some of the excuses that I've heard from people over the years. So I'm going to throw a couple at you and you, you tell me why that's a not a good way of thinking and how we can think better. So a lot of people in our industry, they're technicians and they're salespeople. And a lot of people think, well, hey, I can either be a really good technician or I can be a really good salespeople, but I can't do both. Right. What, what, what's another one? Or is that the big one? Uh, that's probably a big one. Uh, another one is uh, you know somebody's price is lower, uh, so I can't compete over that, or we don't have the market share, or they haven't heard of our name, or um, you know if only we had this type of marketing material, then I could go in and I could get that person to return my call. You know, little things like that. All right. Well, you know, all uh, let me tell you the the first
1: thing about excuses. Uh, the only difference between an excuse. And a reason is the way that it's spelled. <laughs> I mean, it is it is the exact same thing. And nobody nobody likes excuses. You don't even like telling excuses to yourself. A father in law once he was like an ex father in law removed. You know, with all the marriages, you never know what anybody. He was a related somehow, but he was a big guy in in uh, Orkin Pest Control, and he uh, he was a sales manager. And people would come in and say that they were late, and he would say, you know, the only the only excuse for being late is you didn't leave early enough. <laughs> you know, Don't give me the traffic. If you left early enough, would have, you would have avoided the traffic. So you didn't leave early. And that's also somebody who's taking responsibility. I'm sorry, Mr. Geiger. I didn't leave early enough. It won't happen again. That's the only thing he would accept. He wouldn't accept anything else. He'd fire somebody if they said something else. That's the only thing he would accept. And I say the same thing for people with any of these excuses. This is all in your head. I have to be in a technician or a salesperson. You know, I bet the people who are saying that are probably married, you know, so I can either be a good spouse or a good or a good provider. I could be either a good, you know, guard, you know, I bet they mow the lawn. I could either do good at mowing the lawn or the, I mean, that's a bunch of garbage. You could do everything. And you know what it starts with being a good person. You know, who would you like to do business with? That's what they should be asking. How do I act like the person that I'd like to do business with? I bet that person goes home at night and, you know, two days a week studies a little on on the technicians or studies a little on the sales world. Or you know, watch some videos on the sales world. I, I have a membership site. Uh, you, you can log on to it at any time and it gives you all sorts of information and motivation and you know, technical skills in sales. And people go on that whenever they want and just do it. Maybe if you do it 15 minutes a day or maybe if you do it 20 minutes a day. But anything you want to get really good at, you would figure out, you would make the time to do it. And I don't have to tell you to stop watching TV. You know, my people that I coach, I don't tell them to stop watching TV. They just stop watching TV. I don't tell them to stop watching the news first thing in the morning. They just don't have the time to watch the news first thing in the morning and let it ruin their day. But, you know, stop protecting their, their mind, their most important asset, and they're going to put all this garbage in it before they get started. I don't have to tell people not to waste time on, on Facebook and LinkedIn. I tell them how to use Facebook and LinkedIn to get notoriety and get business and get, get more action and get more things going in their lives. You know, people just do that. So how do I? How do I become the person that people would like to do business with? And it magically happens once you're held accountable to it. And as far as the price thing goes, I mean, please. And now I have an entire, you know, rebuttals things on how to get past that, uh, which is which is really good if it's a price thing. But, you know, if all you're selling is price, you really are that commodity. And and even if you get the person on price or you get that company on price, you're going to lose them for a penny less. So you never want to do that. So about 30 percent of the people you deal with are price sensitive and they're only going to buy the lowest price, my suggestion for those is uh, make sure you have handy three uh, telephone numbers of your uh, your best competitor or your worst competitor, however you want to think it, and say, hey, these people will do it for that price. Go ahead and give it to them. You know, a customer that costs you money is no customer. You know, the profit out of that comes right out of the bottom line, which comes right out of your drawers. You know, so I wouldn't do that. But there's ways to overcome. Price, price is nothing. If they, well, I'll tell you why people buy from you. There are four things you might want to write these down too. Okay? They buy from you because they like you. They buy from you because they trust you. By the way, a lot of people think trust comes first. It's really like like get you in the door. I no any female that's listening to this right now, you know, raise your hand if you ever went out on a second date, not a first date, a second date with a guy that you didn't like at all but you trusted them. I mean, you wouldn't do it. Like gets you into the game, but very quickly trust comes in. You know, Then they'll uh, buy from you because they believe you can do the work. That's where that's when your company's history comes in, your experience in the industry and all that stuff comes in. Uh, that's when they look at you on LinkedIn and they look at your website and they look at all the videos that you're making and all that stuff, and they decide whether or not you have a credibility and then the fourth thing is kind of the glue that holds it all together, and that's is that they will have developed the desire to do business with you. My son started a little junk removal business when he was eleven years old. he didn't drive yet, but he decided he wasn't going to go to college in sixth grade and he says, "I gotta have to start a business." so he started junk removal he knocked on people's doors and His first day out, uh, the kid earned $250. He was 11 years old. I looked at him. I said, Matthew, how did you do this? And he goes, Daddy, you don't understand. I said, enlighten me, son. He goes, you think these people are giving me their old chairs and couches and lawnmowers? By the way, lawnmowers are made out of metal. You take them to the recycling place, you get paid again. But he goes, you think they're giving me their couches and chairs and lawnmowers because they need to get rid of their couches and chairs and lawnmowers? I said, yes, duh. He said, no, daddy. He said, they're giving me these things. And this is the point that I'm – the whole way just to get to this point. He said, they're giving me these things because it makes them feel good to do business with an 11-year-old. That little bastard had it right all along. (laughs) You see, he knows – His value, he knows that he developed, they had a desire to do business with him. Now, let's say he cost a little bit more. You think that would make a difference? The value that they're getting, the the way they could go home at night and say, hey, this nice young boy came here and uh, we gave him a lawnmower and gave him 10 bucks and we're all, The, the feeling that they could go home and feel secure and safe that they're good people because they did business with the boy. Imagine if your customers felt that way. Once they have that desire, and you've had it too, I bet everybody listening to this right now has stopped your car, turned around, and bought lemonade from two girls on the side of the road, and you weren't even thirsty, were you? But you did it because you wanted to make them feel good. You create enough of an attraction with somebody that they say, man, I just wanna do business with this person.
0: Hell, price isn't an object. Price is nothing. Well, Dan, you've made the sale. How do you keep that relationship going? Well, and that's the whole thing.
1: Uh, uh, by the way, I want to I, I want to let you know that it's it's a lot easier to make a friend out of a customer than it is to make a customer out of a friend. A lot of people, you know, meet the person and, and wine and dine and all this stuff, and never get around to asking for the order. I'm telling people, just reverse it. You ask someone for the order right off the bat, see if they're interested, and then go through it. Once they become a customer, then you make them your friend because you want to do that. And that's how you do it. And that comes with constant, consistent, valuable follow-up. Constantly offering ideas that are going to help them improve their business. You know, you all know your own goals. You all know your own company goals. You start learning the goals of your customer and help them achieve that, and you become a a valuable resource and asset for them to help their own career. Hell, you don't got to worry about selling anymore. They're too busy buying. You become their guy, even if you're a woman. Everybody wants a guy. I, I got a guy. I, where do you get your car fixed? Oh, I got a guy. You got a plumber? Yeah, I got a guy. You, once you're the guy, price is out the window. Everything's out the window. I have a, an insurance guy. His name is Bob Steer. I've been using him for 20 years. I, I, I could tell you why I'm using Bob Steer for 20 years. I, on my birthday, it's August 10th, every year, the same day my birthday is. And I can expect two phone calls. I can expect a phone call from my mother at 10.36 in the morning, and I can expect a call, not an email, not a card, not a, a you know a, a fancy uh, text or something. I can expect a telephone call from Bob Steer. And do you think another insurance guy can call to me and say, hey, listen, I got a better price? I got Bob Steer, man. I don't need prices. I got Bob Steer. This guy's my man. He's my guy. He will hook me up with anything. I got Bob Steer. You become somebody else's Bob Steer. That's how you keep a customer. I feel like I'm yelling at you, Trace. I don't mean
0: <laughs> No, you're doing you're doing great. You're excited. You are energizing the scaling up nation, is what way, you were doing right You got right a now. great asset. You got a good name,
1: Trace. You know, there's not that many traces out there. The strong.
0: I I've met uh, I've met two um, and and I know of one. Yeah, see, but you got to use it. Nobody forgets you. You know, people will forget Dan Jordan. No one will forget Trace. That's a cool. All right, so give me some advice. What should I do with it?
1: Would your name? Yeah. Well, I it's they know it, so you should you should just make sure. Hey, I would I wouldn't even say your last name. I would say you Trace, You know, just like your Elvis. I just want you to get known as Trace the trace you know is that guy and and, and you need a tagline for yourself that needs to be all over the place
0: all right more to follow yes we got to get that go <laughs> get that going on fair enough let's talk about referrals
1: oh yes yeah and that's and that's the uh, uh, the most immediate results that you could uh, that you could do in fact that's the first thing we do when, we're, when I'm dealing with somebody and I want to increase their sales right away, that's the first thing we do. Uh, we put together a a program for referral. So I'll give you a, there's there's about seven things that we do, but I'll give you the first one right now, and you can go to work with that. That might not might be all you need, but everybody's on LinkedIn, right? I would think so. Yeah, everybody's pretty much on LinkedIn, and so and they have they have customers or even prospects. Even if you're going to see a prospect or a customer, you should be getting five or six uh, referrals from everybody. So what you do is, let's say I'm going to see you, Trace. I'm going to look you up on LinkedIn, and we're going to meet. Let's say, and I'm gonna I'm gonna look you up on LinkedIn, and I'm gonna look at your friends, or whoever you're you're LinkedIn with, and I'm gonna pick out five or six or ten of them that I'd like to meet, you know, people that I'd like. And I'm going to print out those pages. Then when I come to see you, I'm going to show you, I'm going to say, hey, you're, you know, Trace, you got a really cool name. <laughs> you know, that must be why you have so many friends here on LinkedIn. I was looking at your at your friends on LinkedIn and I and I, I printed out 10 or so right here. I go, do you know this guy, Bob? Do you know him? Just play along. Role play with me. Say yes.
0: I do know Bob. Yes, he's a great friend of mine.
1: Oh, okay, good. All right. Would it be okay if I called him and let him know that I just talked to you?
0: And I can't imagine anybody would say no on the spot.
1: Right. Nobody would say that. And then I'm going to follow a little bit. So, Bob, so you do know Bob. Let me ask you if you had to pick out one really good quality about Bob, what do you think it is? If you had to just say
0: uh, something.
1: I would say that I am one of his friends. <laughs> you are one of his friends, and you're only friends with really nice people.
0: That's a good way of putting that. Exactly. Okay, good. Okay, so we'll do it.
1: So then I would do that to five or six people, and if you know them, and, I, and so I'll, I'll get those. Now, the next day, I'm going to call Bob. But when I call Bob, I don't call Bob simply by saying, hey, Bob, I got your name from Trace, and I thought I'd, I'd call you. Do business with me. I'm going to do it like this. I'm going to follow a normal sales process, which is always compliment first. You know, when you're asking for somebody's advice, you're giving them a backhanded compliment. Same thing like this. So I'm going to call Bob. I say, Bob, this is, uh, this is Dan Jordan, sales energizer. I was, I was talking to your friend, Trace, and do you know what he said about you?
0: I, I can't imagine what he said about me. What did he say about me?
1: But at all So now you're interested. If you're Bob now, you're interested. Yeah, what the heck did he say about me? He said... That you're about the nicest guy he's ever met. He's only friends with nice people and you're on the top of
0: the list. What do you think of that? I think that sounds incredible.
1: Okay. Now, all of a sudden, by uh, just association, you kind of like me more because I just gave you a kind – now you're feeling good and you're associating that feeling good with me. That gives me an opening. To say, hey, I was speaking with Trace and he thought this might, uh, we both thought this might be a good thing that I can offer you. Do you have a minute or so we can talk? I'll tell you why I called today. Absolutely. And then I just go into it. But it it's a way to uh, not only get a referral, but to use the referral. And that's, that's really effective. You can get five or six referrals off of any customer or prospect that you meet. And then once they tell you something really good about the person, when you have an in, and, and it's much easier for them. They don't have to call somebody and do any action. You do it all. You do it all and you make everybody feel good. It's that particular tactic uh, in the in the insurance world and in the financial planning world has yielded hundreds of millions of dollars worth of uh, products sold.
0: Again, great advice. Well, let's keep going down that trail. How do we shorten the sales cycle? Ah, well, you see, now you're getting to the nitty gritty. Uh, again, this is this is a process,
1: but I'll give you the I'll give you the uh, the main points at the beginning. The thing, remember, I said earlier, it's a lot easier to make a friend out of a customer than a customer out of a friend. Absolutely, the sexiest thing, the most attractive thing about anybody is confidence. Uh, people are drawn to it; they need it; they want it. And uh, secretly, everybody wants to be led. There's some psychological things that we don't have the time to go through right now, but. You need to be secure with the fact that your product isn't for everybody. Not everybody wants it. You know, and they have their own reasons. They might be getting it cheaper, they might they might be doing business with their son or their nephew or their daughter-in-law. They might be doing for whatever reason your product isn't for everybody. I you've heard of the 80-20 rule? Absolutely. Okay, the 80-20 rule, you'll get 80% of your business, uh, money, revenue out of 20% of your clients, that whole thing, and it works out. I've always been 70-30. 30% 30 of the people I meet just don't dig my program. (laughs) You know, it's just – I rub them the wrong way. That's fine. Who do you think I do business with? I do business with the 70%. And the other 30% of people, they're nice, they're good, they're they're perfect, they're well-rounded, they're contributors to the society. Very high. I have no ill will towards them. They just don't need me. They don't dig my stuff. That's fine. The same thing's for you and, and your water treatment. Some people don't need it. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to say something. We're going to role play just for a second, and I will I, I'm going to create some tension. So I think this will be really good for you. And the price is thirty five thousand dollars.
0: Well, that's way too high.
1: Okay. <laughs> but you wouldn't even say that. Legit, there's always that silence, you know, that silent tension. Sure. So you want to break that silence and you break the silence by using these little sayings. So it's $35,000. How's that sound? And now you have to answer. Now you say it's way too high and then I can go with it. And that's fine. But the first thing to shorten the sales cycle is to constantly check in with people. How does that sound? Are we on the right track? Is this something you're still interested in? Does that make sense? Or is that fair enough? Whatever it is, you constantly need to check in with people, but especially on the front end. So that's a long-winded way of saying, here's where I'm going with it. When we're first meeting, uh, let's say you agree to a meeting and I come to your place, I'm going to say something like this. I'm going to say, Trace, I really appreciate you letting me come here today. I know how valuable your time is, and I don't want to waste a second of your time. So if at any time during this presentation you think we're going down the wrong track or you think this is something that is not going to benefit you at all and you really are not going to make a move on it or anything like that, feel free to tell me. You can say no to me. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay, great. And conversely, if I, you know, in this process, if I'm doing it through my questioning and I find out that we're not a good fit, uh, I'll let you know that too. Uh, and, and the other thing is, if, however, I, we, through the questioning and all this, I find out it's a good product for you and I think it'll help you and I we can give the testimonies and you agree with all that, I'm going to ask you to buy it. <laughs> and you could say one of three things. You could say yes, or w- in which case we'll move forward. You could say no, in which case we'll move forward in a different way. Or you can give me some form of I need to think about it. <laughs> All I ask is you don't choose option number three, okay? You can,
0: I'll just take that as a no. You could say no to me, right? Well, let me ask you about that. Maybe you're getting to this, but the I'll think about it. Salespeople have so many I'll think about it's in their pocket that they hope are going to develop it someday or another, and they never do. So I'm hoping you're going to get to how we free ourselves of all those useless wishes, which is probably what they amint, uh, really amount to. Well, well, that, we do it right at the beginning. Okay. Uh, if, you, if you say, I think about it,
1: I'm just going to take that as a no, okay? Because a lot of times, now, at the end, a lot of times they'll still say, I want to think about it, in which case I always say this. I say, all right, well, let me ask you. Are you saying I think about it just because you want to be nice, because you're a nice person, or uh, are you really just kind of saying no,
0: and that's just an easy way to, to get rid of me? I love that you're asking that question.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's exactly what. It, Cause that's what it is. And now if it's, if it's like, no, we really need to think about it. And then I could say, okay, great. I, I appreciate that. Really. I would have, I wanted to know if you were the decision maker beforehand, I would have taken care of that, but I could go into a little further from there. And I go, well, let me help you out with, uh, with what you're looking to think about it. What areas are there? And I'll, uh, you know, we can outline them and I'll get you in whatever. But the first thing to always say is, I appreciate you saying you need to think about it, even though you told me you wouldn't do that before. But uh, are you saying that just because you want to be nice, because you're a nice guy, or is it something you really need to think about? And if they say they a really need to think about, it, well, great. Well, in, in addition to that, what is it that you need to think about? It and so I could. But if if, if you're walking out the door and there's still what I need to think about it, and you don't you don't hammer down like a follow up visit with an actual date or stuff, I would just exit out. It's done
0: great advice. And I'm thinking of all the people that are listening that are thinking, okay, I really don't have this one. I really don't have this one. I really don't have this one.
1: Oh, you know, the th- and that's the reason why many salespeople don't ask for the order. I mean, it's one thing you're afraid that someone's going to say no, but you're also afraid that someone's going to say yes. You know, you lose something very important when someone says yes, you lose your best prospect, you know, hope, and, you know, looking at your leads list and all that stuff in the morning and taking that and thinking, oh, this, you know, looking at uh, all the revenue that it could possibly generate, you say, look, I got, I got $3 million on the board here. You really, have, but that's, you know, you need that for your psychology. You need that for your emotion. When you don't have somebody keeping you accountable, when you don't have somebody working with you on a regular basis, then you'll use whatever you have,
0: even if it's fake. Let's talk about closing. You ready for that? always right you're always closing right well you know yes
1: uh closing starts at the introduction when i gave that introduction i said listen if you like if i think it's something that's good for you i'm gonna ask you to buy it i i had a i had a client yesterday i I picked up a new client today uh someone i spoke with yesterday and i gave that same thing at the beginning i said you know you're right on the edge do you want me to help you (laughs) you know that was my close I know I know where you want to go. I I, we know uh, we know where you are. We know where you want to go. Do you you know the solution to get you there? Uh, Would you like me to help you? I mean, that was my close. And they said yes. And I said, great. And we can move on from there. So, I mean, the closing doesn't need to be hard, but needs to be all throughout. And, you know, they need to know that you're there to sell Um, and they, they know it. But you might as well be upfront with it. I mean, you're not fooling anybody by tiptoeing around. Oh, I'm just here to visit for an investigation visit. You know, this is just an exploratory meeting. You know, so you're, so you're saying that if I wanted to buy, you wouldn't sell it to me right now. Oh, no, no, no. We'll sell. OK, so you're not really out of Your ultimate goal is you want to sell this. They know it. You know it. So you come out and say it. And, and, and if, you, if, it, if it's tough for you at the end, use my, the world's best line. It's OK to say no to me. My my membership program that I put together it's it's helped more people uh, than I can think of right now uh, expand their business it's unbelievable just when you need a little bit of motivation click and you go on it 15 minutes a day changes your life uh, it's a 297 dollar product uh, with the with the discounts that I can give you with a code that I'll give you today it'll take it down to 98 dollars it's a lifetime. For a life, for the rest of your life, you could always go on. I think it's an unbelievable offer. Uh, if you're looking to grow your business, if if you like what you hear, if these type of ideas uh, and motivation can help you, I'm going to tell you to buy it because it's going to make your life better. And I shouldn't be. I'm not. I'm not. You know, at the least bit. You know, shameful of of saying that it's making people's life. I have a gal who's a recruiter who. You know, never, you know, with the muscling, trying to pay your bills, it's a crazy business, you're not, to, made $49,000 last month in commissions. $49,000. There are people that don't make $49,000 in a year. Now she got that business, not because she'd waited for it to fall on her lap, it's because she's, she closed. She said, I think I can get these people into your play. Let's get it to work. And she closed the the people on there. Um, I have an advertising gal made $35,000 last month, $35,000 selling uh, advertising uh, on websites to people in the Chamber of Commerce. How in tarnation can you do that in the tourism industry? And it's because she followed a method of calling every day a certain amount of people and saying certain words, saying it's okay to say no to me. In fact, her line was this, I understand a lot of people don't buy advertising for their business. A lot of people just don't do it. It's not important. And they have, you know, they, they run their business their whole lives and all that stuff. And they're happy with that. Other people who want to explode their business do. Uh, if you're one of those that don't buy advertising, well, let me know now and I, I, I can call somebody else. But that person, that person is so set up. And not everybody wants my, uh, my coaching program. You know, not, it's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to grow. It's a it's a lot of work. A lot. Everybody doesn't want to put in that work. And those people, you know, ought not to call me. Those people are great for a membership program because they can do it on their own on their own leisure. I'm passionate about sales. I'm passionate about this whole industry, uh, because it's it's on. Everybody has untapped potential. I have my my. I'll go back to my son again, uh, who. Uh, he uh, he, st- he really did. He's 18 now, and he he we all kind of pushed him into going to college. He started Kennesaw this year, uh, which is a state university here in in Georgia. And he's a boy who likes to use his hands and all this stuff. And he he's continued his junk removal business. So he went to one and a half classes before he went to the administration office and withdrew. So he didn't even last an entire day. <laughs> one and a half classes and he stopped. And he came home and he said to me, he said, Daddy, you knew I was gonna quit anyway. I might as well do it now and save the money. And he has started his that junk removal business. That boy is to the point where for money that he saved and and what he did, he's his next step at eighteen years old is to buy a piece of property to start his to start his retail shop that he does from all the stuff that he gets from this junk removal business. He's turned it into a real thing. He's making real grown up type money right now because the boy knows how to close the boy knows how to sell the boy knows how to talk to people in a way to instead of them because no one likes to be sold but people love to buy and so every salesperson out there can create their own little business their own you know little industry and, and they become the branded winner. They, they're, the, they're the leader. People go to them, the individual, not to their company. And once you build up that list and you build up that client base, heck, that stays with you for the rest of your life. And it's, it's untapped potential that I see going to waste. And it ticks me off. And, I, and it doesn't have to be that way. And I don't think it will. We're going, to change, we're going to change the way people think about salespeople. And we're going to change the way salespeople think about themselves. So that's my passion.
0: Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on Scaling Up. This was a fun interview. I think I'll have you back sometime. We'll just do role play for a complete hour. I think that'd be fun. There we go. Well, Dan, I'm going to have everything that you mentioned on my show notes page. A lot of our listeners are driving. So please keep your hands on 10 and 2. And I'll just go to my show notes page. And I'll have all of that information for you. I can't thank you enough for coming on Scaling Up. You were a lot of fun. Thanks again. All righty. Take care. Well, Scaling Up Nation, if you haven't gotten it already, we are all in sales. And sales is an industry that some people might not think kindly of. Dan's mom doesn't even like what he does because she thinks he's a salesperson. Well, folks, he is a salesperson, but there's nothing wrong with that. I like to look at sales is it is how we communicate with the other person that we are trying to get our point across with. A lot of people think that sales is something you do to someone, and I think that is where the problem is. I would like us to change our paradigm about sales, and it's not something we do to someone. It's something we do with someone, and this is how we do it. We are water treatment professionals, and we know more about water treatment than the people that we're sitting across from nine times out of ten. So now where sales comes in is we need to be able to include them in the conversation and it has to be a conversation with what their problems are, whether they perceive them or they don't know about their problems. Educate yourself about how they do what they do and maybe that's why these problems are coming up and then also educate them on what the problems are that you see and how you are going to solve them. Folks, you are the expert, but it doesn't matter what you know. And the old cliche is, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. But if you don't care about the other individual that's sitting across from you, I don't think anything is going to happen other than you've wasted a lot of time, including their time. If you are the expert and you can expertly explain to them what's going on and how you are going to solve their problems, folks, that is sales. And they will thank you for doing that because they cannot solve those problems without you. Now there's a ton of sales books out there and I have read so many sales books and I wanna tell you that the underlying theme of most sales books is how can I manipulate the other party into doing what I want them to do? And I would say that that premise is flawed because again, sales isn't something we do to someone, it's something we do with someone. So if you read a sales book, my ask to you is you use it to help you communicate but never manipulate we are water treatment professionals we know what we're doing so the sales books the sales training can help us be able to bring our point across and not seem like we're a know-it-all not seem like we're better than somebody else but do it in a way to make the person that's across from us very comfortable Now, surprisingly enough, I'm gonna tell you my favorite sales book, and you're gonna say, what, that's not a sales book, so I'm gonna go ahead and do it. It's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, by Dr. Stephen R. Covey. And a lot of you have come up to me and the Scaling Up Nation said you have read that book and I'm willing to bet those of you that have read that have never thought about that being a sales book. I think it's the best sales book out there because it talks about all the habits and I've, I've talked about all the habits on the show. So I'm gonna try not to do that on this show. But the first three habits deal with yourself. And you have to manage yourself and you have to be strong in yourself in order to work with others. And that's what habits four, five, and six are. It's how can somebody that's completed the first three habits Work with somebody else that may not have completed those first three habits and do it in a way that you create something stronger together than you could have created by yourself. So I challenge you, if you've read the book, maybe read it again and think about using that for sales. Again, I look at sales as communication, not something that you do to someone. I don't think there's any secret, successful people are willing to do things that unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. And Dan mentioned a lot of them. One is they simply make phone calls. Oh my gosh, I remember making phone calls and working myself up to making that phone call and that phone felt like it weighed 25 pounds. Of course it doesn't, that's all in our mind, but when people do that consistently so they can continue to find new people People to tell their story to, that's what makes them successful. The same thing with cold calls. It's so hard to go up and meet somebody who you've never met before and see if you can help them with what you do as a career. Also, successful people, they make a lot of commitments and they keep a lot of commitments. In fact, they keep every commitment. So if you find yourself telling somebody that you're going to do something and you're not 100% sure that you can follow through with that, I would reconsider making that commitment because that's how we build trust with people. And just as Dan said, and just as every sales book that I've ever read says, if people don't trust you, They're not gonna buy from you. If people don't like you, of course, as Dan says, they're not gonna buy from you either, but it's hard to like somebody you don't trust. And if you wanna try to test that, go ahead, but I'm willing to bet you're gonna agree with me. It's hard to like somebody that you can't trust. Also successful people follow up. They ask for referrals. They ask who else would get some benefit out of the relationship that you and I have, or you know, we just had this big problem with your cooling tower, I fixed it. Is there anybody else that you know that could benefit from a service like that? Don't be scared to ask for other people to help. Because if you're good at what you do and you keep commitments and those people know that you're going to follow through on each and everything that you do, they are going to be delighted to share you with people they know because now they're going to get the credit for all the work that you did. You fixed other people's problems because they introduced you. So never be afraid to ask who else can you help. And then I think the biggest thing that we all have problems with is there's always that big two-letter word, no. And when somebody tells me no after I've done all this work, it's so hard not to take that personally. We're all going to do it. We all are going to take it personally. But here is what I think successful people do is they maybe take a moment and then they internalize, okay, what could I have done better? So that might have turned into a yes. And folks, I got to tell you, I love to talk to a prospective customer and ask them, what could I have done better? What would have made you say yes? And a lot of times you can actually get the customer re-engaged so that way you can come to a better solution than perhaps you presented. So don't take it personally. Learn from it and don't use that as an excuse to stop doing the things that you need to do to make yourself successful. Folks, you are in the water treatment industry, so be the best you can be in everything you do in the water treatment industry. That includes learning everything you can about all the technical stuff out there, That includes self-development. How can you make yourself better? So if I do something right now, how am I better the next time that I do this? And as I started with the top of the show, a lot of you have come to me and said, you know, this show allows me to think that way. And I am a better water treater today because I listen to this show and I try some of the things that I knew I should have been trying, but the show is a push to make me a little bit better. Folks, if this podcast is making the industry better, I have done my job. I do have an ask for you. If you know a water treater out there, let them know about Scaling Up H2O because if we can make the entire industry better, we are working within a better industry. Folks, I can't wait to talk to you next time on Scaling Up H2O.